If you would turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 1, we will look there as well as John 15 this morning. Psalm chapter 1. All right, beginning Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. That is Psalms 1. Now we will go to um, John 15 and we'll read down to verse 11. Verse 1 through 11 of John 15. John writes, quoting Jesus here in John 15, beginning in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself... Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. That's God's word. Let's, let's bow together in prayer. Father God, I want to lift up before you this church and the people that make it up. And God, I, I just ask that as we come upon this new year, even this new decade that things will be different. Some of us need things to be different um, in a drastic 180 uh, sort of way. Others of us need things to be different uh, by a matter of degrees. But Lord, we want that. 
God, I pray that this morning you will give us a vision for who you want us to be, the kind of people you want us to be. And God, I pray that this morning not only will we see what it is you want us to be, who it is you want us to be, but I pray that we will desire to be the person you want us to be. And Lord, we see that we can do none of this on our own, neither the willing nor the working. So I pray that your spirit would come down in this place in a special way and impress these things upon our hearts, God. God, lead us into the way everlasting. Make known to us the path of life. Create us in your image, God. I pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Well, just for a little while in this new year, we are going to be doing a short series called Like a Tree. Like a Tree. And now that may sound odd, but if you think back to Psalm 1, maybe that's not that odd. It said there, he will be like a tree, uh, this man in Psalms 1. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today, is this, this idea of being like a tree. And what I'm doing this morning is I'm, I'm beginning this invitation for you to have possibly a whole life transformation to be like a tree. This morning I'm inviting you to, to a whole life, wholehearted commitment to being like a tree, living like a tree. And when I say uh, becoming like a tree, I'm inviting you to take part in being and becoming the person that God wants you to be. Now, I'm going to put some things in perspective here because I say be like a tree, and that maybe doesn't sound all that appealing yet to you. You might even wonder why anything would need to change in your life. Uh, but let me just ask you a few questions uh, to put things into perspective. I, don't, I really don't want to put too much weight on these questions, but it, it may be helpful for us to think about. So just reflect in your heart as I ask you these questions as we approach this new year and this new decade. First question I want to ask you is, are you happy with who you are today? When you think about yourself, your, your life, your, your thoughts, your, your words, your actions... Do you look back on, on each day and say, yes, I am glad that I lived that way? Do you put your head down, uh, you know, guilt-free, clear conscience? Do you say, yes, I glorified God today? Are you happy with who you are today? And by the way, this includes not just the things that people know about you. Would, would, would the other person, you know, sitting next to you in the pew be happy with who you are? That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking with, with you, who you know your heart, you know your struggles and sins, are you happy with who you are today? The next question I want to ask is, are your current relationships with others the way you want them to be? What I mean is, um, do you have a host of people around you that are encouraging you and that you're encouraging them towards Christ? Do you have uh, relationships and people around you that can truly speak into your life, that they can uh, point out your flaws and your blind spots so that you can grow and, and that you can handle hearing that from them? And are you the type of person that can handle hearing that? And 
uh, you have that type of relationships uh, with them where it's, it's mutually beneficial. That was my second question. The third question I want to ask you is, are you delighted in God? This question sometimes hits me because um, I feel like we should ask it so much more. <laughs> are you delighted in God? I, I'm not asking you a Sunday school question that the answer is simply yes. I'm, I'm asking a question that's serious and, and really matters for your life. Are you truly delighted in God? Do you think about God often? When you think about him or hear about him or sing to him, does your heart sing along with your mouth? Are you truly delighted in God? And, and just a little deeper, does your life show that you are truly and most profoundly delighted in God? Because if we're truly delighted in God and finding our delight in God, the way we act, the way we spend our money, the way we speak, the things we look at, the things we do will be profoundly different as well. Are you truly delighted in God the way the Bible says you can and should be? My fourth and final question. Is your life as a Christian making a difference in this world? I mean a true difference. Maybe you've gone green and bought a Prius Cool, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, are you making a true, life-changing, eternity-changing difference in this world for other people? I mean, some of us, I mean, I've been there even, you know, maybe it just feels like life has no true meaning. Your, your life has no value, no purpose, no worth. Maybe you just feel like you're wasting oxygen and wasting time. But my hope is that we, we feel like, by God's grace, that we are making a lasting, eternal impact on this world around us. And I mean by the world, the people around us. Those are all the questions I want to ask. Are you happy with who you are today? Are you happy with your relationships? Are you delighted in God? And are you making a difference in this world? I mean, just as you reflect on this past year, I mean... Do, do some math there. How, how do you feel about those things? And again, I, I don't want to put too much weight on these questions. We can become too introspective, but sometimes we just need to take account of our lives, where we are, who we are, the direction we are headed. I'll tell you for myself, um, as I think over these questions in this past year and uh, just past week and things like that, um, I want more. I want more. Um, I've been uh, given this one life to live, right? A matter of years, a matter of months, a matter of days. And while uh, things are, are relatively good, I, I want to maximize my life. I want to maximize my enjoyment of God. I want to live my life the way God says to live it. Uh, to the best of my ability by his grace. And so I'll tell you, <clears throat> in the past um, 10 years or so, I've, I've grown in the grace of God. I have, and I'm so thankful for that, but I don't want to stop. I, I don't want my growth to be stunted. I actually don't want to revert back to old ways, old affections, old desires. I want more. I want to keep moving forward. And I'll tell you that I have 
tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I have. I have tasted and seen the Lord is good, and he is infinitely uh, good. But what I don't want to do is, is stop with a mere sampling of who God is. I want to keep digging in to this great God. And that's where I'm at right now. As I, I take this year and I say, God is good. He's brought me to uh, places I could never be on my own. He's made me a person I could never be on my own. But I don't want to stop. I don't. I know that um, if, if, if I stop digging in, my flesh will take over and things will go for the worse. But at the very least... I'm missing out on the blessing of knowing God and, and being who God wants me to be. And so that, that's my answer to these questions. But however you answer these questions this morning, I want to give you the vision for your life. And I say the vision because it's not my vision. It's not um, something that, that I have made up. This is a vision that God gives us in his word for who we can and should be. As Christians, as humans even you could say, but only the Christian can um, accomplish these things because God is working in them in these ways. But I want to give you this, this vision of your life and who you can be. I mean, you think about this a vision. Some, some of you, that may not be a common term, a vision. Basically, a, a vision, the way I'm using it, is, is a goal. But not just some... Um, you know, uh, obscure goal, like I, I want to be better, you know, um, not, not just some uh, vague goal is rather the, the word I meant to use, not some vague, I want to be better, I, I, want, to, I want things to go better. Uh, th that's not what I'm talking about. A vision is really a mental depiction or, or mental visu visualization of what your life could be if you're a certain kind of person living a certain kind of of way, a certain kind of person living a certain kind of way. And so um, essentially when I'm talking about vision biblically, I'm saying you see in your mind the way God wants your life to be. That, that's all I mean by this. You see the kind of person or quality of person God wants you to be. You see the ways he wants you to live and you see the outcomes that he desires for your life. You say, well, I, I don't know about that. Is that really something that happens in the Bible? Well, yes. I mean, we have read this about the tree. He is like a tree. And we see these things about this man that we're going to dig into some today. There in John 15 that we read, Jesus says that, that he is the vine and we are the branches. So rather than a tree metaphor, that's more of a, a, a grape vine, that, which is Christ, and these, these uh, branches that come off that, that bear the actual grapes. Um, so it's this vision for what your life can be, of, of plugged into the vine and fruitful. But there are others uh, that just even as I was studying, I just, I just ran into these and I thought I'd share them with you. Another vision in the Bible that God gives us um, is Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Both of these I'm going to look at are in Matthew 7 if you feel like turning there. But Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Jesus says this, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So Jesus, in, in, in that Matthew 7, is laying a vision before us of two gates 
two ways, two paths. You have the one gate that is narrow and hard, but it leads to life. And there are few who are on it. The other gate is wide. It's easy, but it leads to destruction. And there are many who are on it. And so what you should have as I'm as we read that and as I'm saying these things is a mental picture of just this crowd of people mindlessly wandering down this path that leads to destruction. You, the reader, can see what's on the other side of the gate. Maybe in your mind you picture fire or demons or I don't know how, uh, how strong your imagination is, but you have this mental image and you say, no, I don't want to mindlessly walk down that easy path. I want to be that one on the narrow path. There aren't many who are on it, just a small band of, of people. And the, the way is difficult. It's, it's not as easy. You can't just as mindlessly wander down it. But I can see what's on the other side of that gate. There's life. There's everything I want on the other side of the gate. And so Jesus gives us this vision. Hey, I want to be on the narrow path. It's hard, but I want what's at the other side of that gate. So there's this vision. The next one was there also in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Jesus says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Are you getting a vision in your head here? You see this foolish man, uh, you know, you can think of a, a, a my analogy just kind of to take another one would be like a kid building, uh, you know, their sand castle five feet from the, the ocean. It's like, I know what's going to happen when the tide comes in, <laughs> you know, that thing's going to be gone. And that's what we see with this man is he builds a house, spends all this time, builds his life, but he builds it on sand. And we say, that's foolish. I don't want to be like him because when the storms come, at the very least, when judgment comes, that house will fall. I want to be like the wise man. The wise man hears Jesus' words and he does them and his, his house is built on the rock. The winds come, the storms come, the rains fall, but that house stands. He stands in the judgment to borrow from Psalms 1. He stands. And we have this vision of, yes, I want to be the one who, who builds my house on the rock uh, that, that is God, that is obedience to Christ, faith in Christ. Not, not, not on the sand, the, the fun, the frivolous, the, the temporal. We get these visions. And th these are all through the Bible. There's just a, a sampling of what I'm talking about. And these really are different than just a self-help uh, self book or a self-help speech. Uh, the, the libraries are full of them. The TED Talks are full of them, uh, of this ways that we can help ourselves become better. But this is not one of those this vision from God is not one of those. My, my sermon this morning is not one of those. Will it help you? Yes, I certainly hope so. But it is very different than self-help. First of all, what I am going to, to, to try to show you is that you need to trust God for your help, not yourself. You need to trust God for your help, not yourself. And I want to show you that you need to follow God's heart, not your heart. I want to show you 
not how to be a better man or woman of God, a better version of you, but how to be a different man or woman. Made in the image of Christ, changing to become more and more like Christ. And I would say this is different than self-help because I want to show you today how to be better equipped to serve God, not just be served by Him. This is not... Uh, how to make God your genie, your butler that does what you want him to do to make you feel good about yourself. No, this is saying God is your father who you get to serve as, as, as a, a loved and loving child. This is not self-help. Again, I'm not trying to get you to feel better about yourself even. What I want to do ultimately in this uh, um, series is to help you forget yourself. To forget yourself in the glory of God, the majesty of God, the blessings of God. That's what I want to do. This is not self-help. This is God's help, God's saving intervention, God's uh, um, grand, miraculous transformation in our lives. And we do get to reap the benefits, but this is not self-help. It is uh, being changed by God to live for God's glory. That's what we're talking about. That's what this vision is. And so what I want to go through is like a tree. And so you can think about it even in those categories. I want to be like a tree. And, and you think about Psalms 1, and hopefully after we look at it some today, that will mean more to you. I want to be like a tree. But we need these kinds of... Uh, um, Shakeups sometimes, I think, um, in our own life. We can get complacent. We can uh, um, stop pursuing God. We can stop repenting of sin. We can stop uh, um, forgiving and mending relationships. We can stop being like a tree. We can stop living in the light of God and His glory. And so today, I, I'm trying to remind us of maybe where we're at with those questions at the beginning, but. I want to show us where we want to be. And more importantly, where God wants us to be. God wants us to be like a tree. So what is it to be like a tree? I'm just going to give you a few points. Number one, it is blessed. Blessed, blessed, however you want to say it. It is blessed to be like a tree. It is blessed to be like a tree. And we're going to dig in here. Uh, but th this is so important. Well, let's just look at it. Psalms verses, um, Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. I'll pause there. So it says there, that, you know, where we finished in verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, but it told us something about this tree. It said, blessed is the man. The blessed man and the tree, are they're, they're one and the same. And so I'm telling you, it is blessed to be like a tree planted by streams of water. You say, okay, blessed religious term neat bless you you know we say when someone sneezes and someone's coughing right now um 
What are we even talking about when we say it is blessed to be like a tree? What is Jesus talking about when he says blessed are those uh, who are poor in spirit? Blessed are those who mourn. What, what does that even mean? Because it wasn't that contradictory what I just said. Blessed are those who mourn. That's one of the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. Because so often we think when we think about being blessed... You know, living in the hashtag world we live in with Facebook, uh, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. You know, people might post a picture of their brand new car. Hashtag blessed. Is, is that what this is talking about here? Is this, is this talking about that the person who is like a tree, they'll have abundant material possessions. They'll have the nicest car. They'll have uh, the, the newest house, the, the biggest bank account. Is that what it's talking about to be blessed? Let me just tell you uh, before we go any further that that is not what blessing means. There are times that that blessing takes the shape of material uh, possessions. It, it can take that shape, but in general, that is not what the Bible is talking about. Um, I can tell you I read through um, uh, just all the times the Psalms even use it, and there are occasional times uh, in the Psalms that this word blessed or blessing, <coughs> excuse me, is used to speak of material blessing, but it's always, uh, what would you say, uh, complemented by the spiritual side, almost as if the material blessing is just a, a reflection of, the material blessing is almost a reflection of the spiritual blessing that is taking place. And, and I'm so serious about this that I just want to show you something um, that I found while studying that word from Psalms, this blessed Psalms 49, verses 16 through 19, actually tells us that a person who considers blessing to be merely uh, material possessions is actually a fool. He is actually um, fooling himself. Um, so listen to this, Psalms 49, 16 through 19. He says, Be not afraid, this is talking to the believer, Be not afraid when a man becomes rich. When the glory of his house increases, for when he dies, he will carry nothing away. His glory will not go down after him. For though while he lives, he counts himself blessed, and though you get praise when you do well for yourself, his soul will go to the generation of his fathers who will never again see light. So he's telling the Christian, don't worry about it when, when people around you are getting rich and they, they seem to have all this glory in their house. Because it says here, this guy, while he lives, he counts himself blessed. He counts himself blessed because he has all these possessions. He has this prestige. It said there, uh, you get praise when you do well for yourself. Cool. So yeah, I must be blessed. I've got all these things and people uh, think highly of me because I have lots of money and possessions and but it says there, don't worry about him. His soul will go to the generation of his fathers who will never again see the light. I don't think we have to think too hard about what that last part means. Never again see the light. Uh, that, that is uh, talking about hell. Um, he, he's focused so much on these eternal, not eternal, rather, uh, these temporal material blessings that he's missing what to be truly blessed is. So he's not even pursuing true blessings. Because he thinks he's already blessed because he's got material things. This was not <laughs> the true blessing from God, these material things. Rather, listen to some of these psalms. Listen to the way the psalmist, you know, uh, the way the psalms talk about this word blessing. 
Psalm 21.6, David says of himself, You make him blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. Ah, how beautiful. You make him blessed forever. Speaking of himself, you make him glad with the joy of your presence. That's what blessing is to him. That's a parallel there. He's blessed and he's glad with the joy of your presence. Psalms 32.2 says, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. That's blessed. To be a person who has sinned against a just and holy God, yet his transgressions are forgiven. We know now that this is paid for in Christ Jesus, and so we are blessed if we trust in Christ Jesus and our sins have been made, made white as snow. They've been paid for in Jesus. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Psalms uh, 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. You don't see anything about a nice car or a nice chariot, I guess, back in their day. Uh, you, you see, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. That's what true blessing is, is to take refuge, to take delight as you taste and see that the Lord is good. I've got way too many of these in my notes, but... Psalm 84, 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. This was uh, my Christmas Eve sermon, that it is blessed to praise, to glorify God. That is one of the greatest gifts that came in Christ Jesus, is an eternal ability to glorify God. The one who deserves the glory, the one whom we were made to glorify we are blessed to dwell in his house, ever singing his praise. Yeah, I'll stop there. There, there are just so many. Of the, oh, I'll give you one more. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Psalms eighty nine fifteen. Blessed are the people who know the feastal shout, who walk, O Lord, in the light of your face. Man, I've got one more. Psalm sixty seven one. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That's the, the great benediction that many churches use, you know, when they're um, letting people go. Bless us. Make your face to shine upon us. That's what this blessing is. To be, to be like a tree is to be blessed. And to be blessed is to be receiving our joy, to be, to be finding our satisfaction in the all-sufficient, joyful, and satisfying one Namely, God. We also read at the beginning, John 15, which talked about, you know, uh, abiding um, in the vine. And how did I end that? I ended it with verse 11. These things, Jesus says, I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That's the same thing as saying, blessed is the man who. It's the exact same thing. And so, to be like a tree, friend, is to be filled with a deep, satisfying joy. A deep, 
satisfying joy. To be, to be blessed is to have this inner peace, this, this hope that, that you, you literally know, I know the God, the God of the universe. I have a relationship with the God of the universe. I will have eternity with the God of the universe. I can now commune with the God of the universe. That's what it is to be blessed according to Psalm 1 and according to the Bible. That's what it is to be like a tree. And let me tell you, friends, some, I, I say that this deep joy, this deep satisfaction, and some of you scarcely know what I'm even talking about. You, you may know that you want it, but you don't know what it tastes like. You don't know what it feels like. To have this deep joy, this, this, this peace, this hope in your life, a reason to be happy in the morning. You don't have that joy and you say, okay, well, I'm trying to find that joy. How come I don't have that joy? Well, there's a pretty good chance you're looking for it in the wrong places. You're not being like a tree. The tree, it says, and we'll get more into this, is planted by streams of water. And we'll talk more about that, but that's drawing on God for that satisfaction, drawing on God for that blessedness. It is possible that if you don't have that type of joy, it's because you're drawing from the wrong things, the wrong places. It's interesting because in our pursuit of joy, we will so often make compromises, sometimes outright sin against God, and think, this will make me happy. This will bring joy to my life. Remember what blessedness is? That God's face would shine upon you. That we'd have this communion with him. That we would sing his praises. Listen to Isaiah 59.2 and think about when we search for our joy in sin. He says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Pursuing sin is doing the exact opposite of blessing you. The exact opposite. Pursuing things that even detract you from God is doing the exact opposite of blessing you. They are robbing you of God. They are robbing you of this source of joy. They are robbing you of this blessedness. And so my call to you, God's call to you, the psalmist's call to you is to be like a tree. So what is it to be like a tree? It says there, he is like a tree planted by streams of water. Let me just show you these streams of water. Psalms uh, 46, 4 through 5. Psalms 46, 4 through 5 says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will, will help her when morning dawns. Now, there, it, it's kind of, uh, it is literally talking about the city Jerusalem, but it's talking about an eternal Jerusalem as well, and it's, it's difficult. But we see there that there's this, this, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, and it talks about this is the habitation of the Most High God. God is in the midst of her. God will help her. It's quite clear that these streams that make glad the people of God is God himself. They're, they're drinking of him. He is the streams. Psalm 65, 9 says this of God. You visit the earth and water it. 
you greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. The river of God is full of water. Oh, we could park there for a long time. How full is the river of God of this water that we need? Psalms 36 Verses 7 through 9 says, How precious is your steadfast love, O God! The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. That's what it is to be like a tree. It says there he is planted by streams of water. And those streams of water are nothing less than God. This tree is drinking. Its, its roots are deep in the ground, not just surface level, level not just piddly. By the way, oftentimes uh, in the, the, the ancient Near East, streams of water, we're not talking about flowing streams of water even on top of the ground. They were often underwater uh, um, streams that would be coming from a spring. Um, anyway, so the, these roots are going deep and they're drinking of this water of God. And because of that, because of that, blessed is he who. Do you want to live the blessed life? I'm talking about deeply joyful, not shallow, trivial blessings that are fleeting and fading. Deeply joyful life then be like a tree and drink from the streams of God. Drink deeply from the streams of God. If you don't know what I'm talking about when I say deep joy, you're probably drinking from the wrong things. You're probably drinking from just what life has to offer. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. You know, whatever. We'll just enjoy things here and there. Yeah, you're looking in the wrong place for your joy. Be like a tree. Be blessed. Be deeply joyful in God. Now, that kind of leads me to a, another point I want to draw from here of what it is to be like a tree. Because some of us have maybe tasted you know, seasons of that type of happiness, that type of joy. When things are going good, we're, we're joyful in God. You know, I'll praise God you know, while the sun is shining. It's quite easy to do, really. When your job is going well, when your health is going well, relationships are going well, praise God, we say. What about when things aren't going so well? Can you say with Job, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Whether he's giving, whether he's taking from me, blessed be his name. I still have my joy in him. And here's my second point. It was blessed to be like a tree, and now it is sustaining to be like a tree. These points don't really matter. I'm just trying to help categorize these things. It is sustaining to be like a tree. And what I mean by that is you're not wavering every time a, a storm blows in your life. You're not uh, faltering on your convictions every time the pressure comes on. You're remaining faithful. You know, it was interesting. I asked Hallie this question yesterday. I said, what do you think it means to, to be deeply rooted in God? Like, or or what's, what's the best thing about it, you know, um, in this life? And those were literally her words. Well, to not waver. It, it, it should be awesome to not waver when the trials come. Just 
not necessarily always these huge ones, but even these little ones, not to be faithless in that moment and speak and do the wrong things in those moments. She said that would be, I think, the best part. And, and uh, you know, at what level we get to experience it, that is the best part, is not losing our faith every single time a storm comes. It is sustaining to be like a tree. <clears throat> we see that, by the way, in verse 3. <clears throat> it says there, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and here we go, and its leaf does not wither. Its leaf does not wither. The, 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 the leaves of this tree stay green. They stay vibrant even when droughts come upon it. There are, there are two reasons that, that a leaf would wither. One would be a storm comes and knocks all the leaves off of them, then they dry up and they, they wither, right? The, the other reason would be because of a drought. There's not enough uh, water for the tree to be taking in, or the tree's not taking in enough water, so uh, the leaves then wither. But the person who is like a tree, and we'll, we'll look more in future weeks about what it takes to be like a tree, but the person who's like a tree... Their leaf does not wither. Come storms, come droughts, their leaf does not wither. What I see that to be is the person who is drinking deeply of God, if he is the source of joy, then their leaf does not wither no matter the circumstances, no matter the trials, no matter the troubles of life, their leaf does not wither. As... Um, I guess over the past decade or so, I've been doing ministry at one level or another, and I've had the great and difficult honor of walking with a lot of people through trials. It just comes with the territory. We are all going to go through trials, and so I've, I've gotten to walk with a lot of people through trials. And um, I hate it when it happens, but sometimes as I'm walking with a person through a trial, it becomes very clear to me that they are not like a tree. Um, I mean, I could give you examples, but I, I'll give you just a, one, maybe. Um, so say a guy, this, this was especially in my earlier years um, when less of my friends were married and stuff. Um, they would maybe, maybe be a guy, and he'd get broken up with by his girlfriend, you know. And he, he thought that they were going to make a life together. They loved each other, and then boom, she drops him. And, at, you know, he was at that point, I say he, just this is a hypothetical Say he's, you know, been walking with the Lord, been attending church, been doing well, seeming joyful. But then, when this breakup occurs, all of a sudden, it seems like his, his world has crumbled. He's, he says, I have no joy anymore. I have really no, no reason for living, no reason for getting up in the morning. And again, you can fill in what, whatever tragedy, whatever trial you want in there. But generally, if, if, it, if I'm able, if I know the person well enough, and if I um, have, have the opportunity, I like to ask them, is it possible that you've been finding your joy in the wrong things? If, if this breakup with your girlfriend is so traumatic and devastating and destroying in your life is it possible you your foundation was on the wrong thing you were drinking from the wrong thing you know i mean you think about it oh, i mean I, I just have 
faces pop up in my head because that, that one in particular, I've seen, you know, the, the, the girl drops them. She was a good girl, you know, and everything was going well. And they, they start struggling with all these things. And um, before you know it, they're hanging out with a girl and dating a girl who's not so good of a girl. I mean, again, this can be with guys as well, but, you know, for me, it usually doesn't take me too long <laughs> to assess by the way they act, by the way they speak, by the way they dress. Okay, that girl is probably trouble. And I see, okay, my friend, he's been walking with the Lord, and you know, he had this good girl, but now that she's gone, he, he just fills that vacuum with whatever he can. Even though um, it's clearly not going to lead him in the right way. That's not a wise decision. And, but what that shows is, man, you, you've been drinking from this relationship. You've been finding your satisfaction uh, in, in this relationship. You've been finding your fulfillment in this person liking you. You've been uh, placing your future, your hope for the future on what this person will bring you, not what God will bring you. You've been drinking from the wrong waters. And the problem with those waters is they dry up. They're surface level. They're puddles. Relationships change. Jobs change. Financial status changes. Health changes. And what's beautiful is about this person who is like a tree is when, when the circumstances change, when the drought comes, nothing really changes for them as far as their joy goes because they've always been drinking from the streams of water anyways. They weren't worried about the puddles. They weren't worried about this, the rain coming down, just the trivial things of life, the trivial joys. They were never, they maybe enjoyed those things, but those were never their foundation, their, their source of joy. They were drinking deeply of God the whole time. So when the drought comes, they are still drinking deeply of God. They're still finding their joy, their satisfaction in him. Everything, folks, in your life will change <laughs> at one point or another, oftentimes uh, not for the better. But we know from God's word that God never changes. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. This is our God. I think of um, just so many instances so many heartaches that could be um, um, averted if we were just finding our joy in God. Because truly it is, when, when the, the difficulties come, if you're drinking from any well, any streams other than God, any, uh, if those are where you're finding your sustenance and those dry up, you're more often than not going to be crushed. You're more often than not going to fall into bad attitudes. You're going to fall into patterns of sin. You're going to be doing whatever you can to find some, some quick joy because it's, it's missing. But when you are like a tree, you have the sustaining source. Your, your roots are deep. You're drawing on God no matter the drought. I can see several things here too. Because, you know, I just say drawing on God in the circumstances. I want to put a little more meat on that. Um, why is it that, that a person who is like a tree can make it through these droughts and storms? First, they're, they're finding their joy in God and he's not changing. Um, second, I would say, because they know God so well, they know the attributes of God, 
They know the character of God. They know him as a friend that they commune with. They know that nothing happens without God's hand to allow it. And they know that it will only bring uh, good in their life ultimately, even if it's painful in that moment. Romans 8, 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, all things work together for good. And because of that, we can say things like uh, James 1, 2 through 4, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know. That's the person that's like a tree that knows this, by the way. Not everyone knows this. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We even saw it in John 15, didn't we? John 15, verse 2 said, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But hear this, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. The person who's like a tree understands that the discipline of the Lord, while it's not pleasant at the time, it, it leads to a lasting, a deep root of, of, of um, a result of righteousness and joy and peace. That's Hebrews 12 tells us of these things, that God disciplines those whom he calls his sons, his children. Discipline's not always because you're doing something wrong. Discipline's often just to shape us and mold us. It hurts. It hurts to have trials and bad circumstances come in, but the person who is like a tree knows this is for the best. I'm not saying that you should love the trial, enjoy the trial, say, yes, trials. I'm saying that you should understand that this trial is actually a conduit of God's blessing into your life. Because think about this. The person who's like a tree, they've been drinking of the joy of God, you know, and they've had other things coming that have been giving them some joy, but those things are taken away because circumstances change. And what do they do? They, they, they dig all the more deeply into God and say, I all the more need God. And in that, they are all the more blessed because they're drinking all the more deeply of this God, receiving all the more the joy in him. I hope I'm explaining that well. This, this a person who is like a tree is sustained in their blessedness. It is not blown to or fro. It is not changed by circumstances and trials. It is there in God. What a beautiful thing. Um, I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I'll mention it again. Uh, a great example of this is Jerry Eccles. <laughs> I visit him in the hospital. I mean, dude's struggling, you know, um, in, in a sense fighting for his life, but kind of not. He's kind of not fighting for his life because he's like, you know what? I know where I'm going, and I know who's taking me there. And he's got a smile on his face, quoting to me scripture after scripture. I'm not sure if he knows my name, but he, he knows God's word, and he, he knows what God uh, has done for him. He knows what God is going to do for him. That is to be like a tree. He knows that he is blessed, and he is sustained in that blessing through the hard circumstances. In fact, in his past, he's been growing through each passing trial. Uh, again, just using my own life as an example, Hallie and I talking, she said, you know, what a shame would it have been. Oh, I guess I need to preface this. I hope she's not listening. Our first daughter was not easy. <laughs> we did not sleep much for the first two years, and the days were not much easier. 
Um, things that have gotten much, much easier. Uh, but Hallie and I talked, and you know, we, we had our failures, but we, in those times, I mean, all the time we would say, God has put this trial in our life for a reason. It doesn't make sense for me as a pastor. It doesn't make sense for all these other things that we want to do that this would be so difficult for us. But God has this trial in our life for a reason. That helped us to walk faithfully. And, and, and through that, we were able to grow. We were able to grow in faith, to grow in patience, to grow in endurance. But last night, Hallie said, she said, what a shame would it have been to go through all that and not grow at all, to come out the exact same people. When you're like a tree, you have opportunities to grow, even in the hard circumstances. Again, James uh, 1 verse 4 said, And let steadfastness have its full effect in that trial, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It, it's, it's really a beautiful thing. It's a blessed thing to be like a tree because we're sustained through even the hardest storms and the driest droughts. Finally, and I'll wrap it up here, um, just because I'm going to hit this hard next week. But I just want to say, <clears throat> number three, it is fruitful to be like a tree. It is fruitful. By that I mean, if you are truly like a tree, there will be, there will be outward evidences, outward fruit that you are in God and he is in you. There will be outward evidences of your relationship with God, your faith in God. I see that again in Psalms 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And when you think about in its season, don't think um, of that as, well, sometimes it's your season and sometimes it's not. I don't believe that that's the, the meaning that the psalmist is giving here. I believe that it's talking about the regularity. That is, each season fruit is born. A tree generally uh, yearly bears fruit. Right? And so you can expect that, that yearly there will be fruit. There's this, this cycle. There's this uh, um, regularity about the bearing of fruit. And so that's, that's the first thing I want to point out is if you are like a tree, you will regularly bear fruit in your life. There will regularly be outward evidences of your inward convictions and faith and love for God and being loved by him. But secondly, man, I just don't, I don't even know where to go because I want to close this. You won't have to force it. This is what I want to do. You won't have to force it. A tree is not twisting and contorting and, and uh, travailing in order to bear fruit. What's a, what's a tree do? Well, it naturally, it drinks of the water, it receives the sunlight, it soaks in the oxygen, and then all these things happen internally, naturally, because it is a tree, because it is drawing of that water, and boom, there's fruit. When you are like a tree, you won't have to fake it anymore. Now, those who are like a tree are only those who are in Christ, and we'll see that more with the vine in John 15 um, next week. But how beautiful would it be for your life to be fruitful? Just outward evidence after outward evidence just springing from your life. And that's what I'm talking about here. To be like a tree is I'm not telling you to act like a tree. I'm telling you to be a tree. 
This is a type of person that you become, not a set of things that you begin to do. You become a type of person who is blessed. You become a type of person who is sustained through the trials. You become a type of person who is fruitful because you are a tree. You are a creature created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand. If you're a creature created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand, you don't have to fake it. You don't have to force it. I'm not telling you it won't be work. I'm just telling you God will be doing the work and it will naturally come out of you. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's uh, Philippians 2, 12 and 13, I think. Um, It happens. If you're like a tree, fruit will be produced. What a joy. What a joy to be useful in this world. A fruit-bearing person in this world. And that is where I will have to close us up today. But I hope I have given you at least just a a taste of this vision that God has for us, that we would be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Now, just by way of application, some of you have trusted in Christ, but you know in your heart of hearts That your joy is all too lacking. You know that your joy is all too circumstantial rather than sustained. You know that you are not bearing as much fruit as you would like to be. And I'm just telling you today is all I can do. We'll get more to this uh, later in this series. But drink deeply of God. That is what's missing. Look to him. Pray to him, trust in him, talk about him, drink deeply of God. You will see things change in this new year. It may not be instantaneous. A a, a hundred foot tall tree doesn't grow in a day. Those roots take time to go down. I'm telling you, drink deeply of this God. You will not find your blessedness anywhere else. And I would say to others of you, Maybe, again, you you don't have this joy. You maybe have pseudo-joys, fake joys every now and then, circumstantial joys. And you know that your fruit is all too forced in your life. Does that make sense? You you know that you're faking it. You know that you're faking doing good things. (laughs) You know you're faking love. You know you're faking uh, just just all these other good things you should be doing, these outward fruits are your, your... I would tell you that these streams are open to all who would come to him. God is ready and waiting for you to to look at your own life and say, I've been living for myself, but it is bankrupt. It is dry. It is barren. Then look to God and say, there it is. There's the source. There's the glory. There's the one I want. And then you look to Jesus and you say, You've already done it. You've accomplished my salvation on the cross, in my place, for my sins. You rose from the dead. I can trust in you. Have forgiveness. Have righteousness. Have that relationship. Let my roots go into that stream. You can do that today. You can trust in Christ Jesus. You can turn from your old sinful, foolish ways. 
And you too can drink deeply of God, the thing we all most need. That is my vision, but it's not my vision. It's God's vision. It's the psalmist's vision. It's, it's what we should want, what we would want if we knew what was best for us, to be like a tree. Let's pray.